Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail... Wellington residents have been misled over fluoride levels in their water and dentists are appalled. Wellington's water company has launched an independent inquiry into itself after revelations water in parts of the region hasn't been fluoridated since last year. We know that people living in a fluoridated area, if you're a child, you have a 40% uh, less chance of having tooth decay. Oh, I think it's ridiculous, Mike. Um, I just cannot fathom what's going on there. The latest in a series of mishaps from the organisation in charge of monitoring, treating and delivering water in the capital. The blunder adds to a list of water woes for the city, from millions of litres of sewage discharged into the harbour to contaminated water and multiple burst pipes disrupting supply and flooding roads. And according to some, the most egregious. Can I just say from the outset, Emil, this story is shocking. Like, it is outrageous and it is such a scandal. I just want to make that clear how serious this issue is. Today on The Detail, the New Zealand Herald's Wellington Issues reporter Georgina Campbell on the perplexing story of how Wellington water failed to fluoridate much of its water supply for months on end, why it didn't tell anyone, including its own bosses and residents, and what happens now. Let's start with some fundamentals, maybe about Wellington Water. Tell me a bit about this organisation. What is it? Who is it owned by? How is it funded? What's its remit? Introduce us to to this character and the story, I suppose. So Wellington Water uh, manages water assets for a lot of councils in the region, Hutt, Porirua, Upper Hutt and Wellington City Councils, as well as South Upper District Council and Greater Wellington Regional Council. It's sort of like water care um, for those in Auckland, but a, a little bit different. Um, so Wellington Water has its own board, and then there's also a Wellington Water committee where a representative from each of those councils sits on and sort of has that, that oversight. The assets themselves are still owned by the respective councils, but they basically put all of the operational matters and looking after those assets into the hands of Wellington Water and they provide the money for Wellington Water to do that. Okay. And when when you say assets, what are you talking about there? Pipes, essentially. Um, For Greater Wellington Regional Council, they look after the bulk um, water supply. So that's getting all the water, um, treating it and then getting it ready to feed into the councils, um, the area of where those councils are. And then when it gets there then it becomes, you know, Wellington City Council's problem where they're getting the water to actual households. Okay. Let's begin maybe with the most recent developments in this story. Last week, there's there's this big announcement about Wellington Water. What is that announcement? Can I just say from the outset, Emil, this story is shocking. Like, it is outrageous and it is such a scandal. I just want to make that clear how serious this issue is. Basically, at the beginning of last week, Wellington Water issued a press release and uh, councillors were sent some documents that said for the past four years, the machines that control the dosage of fluoride into our drinking water haven't been up to scratch. We've got four plants that deliver fluoride to water. Two of these are operating and two of these were having problems in that the fluoride was not being consistently 
um, applied to the water. They've been ageing and they're a bit unreliable. And they said that, you know, how they've been managing that is to put a smaller dosage of fluoride through them so that there's not a risk of overdose, essentially, in the water. But the consequence of that is that there hasn't been an effective amount of fluoride in the drinking water for four years. It also said that fluoride had been turned off last month, so about six weeks ago, at two of the plants which supplies water to Porirua, Wellington and Upper Hutt. Later that week, Wellington Water issues another statement and it turns out that that information was wrong and fluoridation at one plant had actually been turned off in May last year, so 10 months ago, and at another plant in November last year. So residents in Wellington have been getting water that doesn't have any fluoride in it and they haven't been told until now And that's the point that Wellington Water said. So today we, as a board and with our committee, are announcing that we are commissioning an independent inquiry into the management of the fluoridation plant. Residents in Poirua, Upper Hutt and Wellington have been without fluoride in their water since last year. At this point, it's not entirely clear um, how how that separates between the two plants, but we know that, yeah, they haven't been receiving fluoride for months with one plant turned off in May and the other in November. And Wellington Water, which presumably has known that fluoride is not going into that water supply, didn't tell residents about this until last week. So this is the extraordinary thing, right, is that Wellington Water didn't tell residents. It didn't tell its board. Now, the Wellington Water Board Chair is Linda Carroll is with us morning. Good morning, Mike. How is it you get misled by your own executives? Well, that's what we do, why we are holding an independent inquiry, Mike, to actually find out what, what has happened. It didn't tell Greater Wellington Regional Council, who owns the assets. It didn't tell the city councils, who I guess are answerable to residents who are rightfully outraged that fluoride hasn't been in their water. It's astonishing that Wellington Water haven't fronted residents and told them that they weren't fluoridating water. It's deeply concerning and a major public policy failure. You know, I I guess what this independent inquiry will get to the crux of is that at what point did this issue get to in the Wellington water hierarchy where somebody said, oh, no, we don't need to take this any further? Let's talk a bit about how this sort of happened. Can can you explain, I mean, do you know, like, how does fluoridation of water actually work? Like, how does that process happen? Basically, there are tanks. The fluoride is in powder form. And then that powder gets mixed in with the drinking water in another area of the plant and then it gets sent out through the pipes and ends up flowing through people's taps. Okay, so it's, it's so it's pretty much similar in concept to sort of adding the stock powder to your two-minute noodles. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's a pretty good analogy. I like it, yeah. And, and it's very simplest form. It's adding a little bit of powder to water. Okay, and so do we know at this stage what went wrong at the plant where this happens. And like, that's the question, right? Like, what went wrong? How did this happen? We know that the machines were ageing and 
not working properly. But Wellington Waters seemed to think that it was okay. They used the word um, to like nursing the machines through this. And that was sort of, you know, managing the situation by instead of putting their hand up to say, well, we need to fix these machines, we need to go to Greater Wellington Regional Council to get money to, you know, have new infrastructure. They nursed the machines through this for four years by, you know, not putting as much fluoride through them as as they should have been. Would I be accurate in saying, you know, it's kind of like they've got a car, an old car, and it's falling to bits and, you know, the transmission's shot, the exhaust is shot, and the engine is, is really on its last set of legs. And they had the the means and the ability to buy a new car, but decided instead, for reasons that remain rather mysterious, that they're just going to keep taking it back to the mechanic, sticking on a bit of plaster here, a bit of tape here, and just hoping that it'll keep rolling down the road? I think in this case, they didn't even take it to the mechanic How I would describe it is, you know, they have this car which is on its last legs and they maybe drive at 70 kilometres an hour instead of 100 Mm. to just try and make it go as far as it can before it just implodes. Switching tack just briefly, what are the implications of not having fluoride in water for an extended period of time as has happened here? I think this is why the story is so important because at the end of the day, this is a public health issue and I immediately think of kids growing up in three cities in the Wellington region who potentially haven't had a level of fluoride in their water that is effective for four years now. You know, they are the ones that that lose out on this And again, at a higher level, I mean, essentially having fluoride in the water like while kids' teeth are forming is really good. And then after that, you know, it sort of acts as a toolbox every day, having fluoride in the water as as a sort of upkeep, I suppose, and attacking anything that could then turn into a cavity. And when I, you know, when this story broke last week, I immediately thought about another story that I'd written a couple of years ago now, but talking to a Porirua doctor you know, who wasn't even a dentist, he was a doctor essentially bending the rules to secure hospital appointments for people with no money who had, you know, what he called mouthfuls of rotten teeth. He said they were like crooked tombstones. So, you know, like dental care is already an issue, let alone people not having fluoride in in their water for years. Like they've missed out on that um, really important thing that we we now know helps prevent cancer cavities for potentially four years. Yeah, and and I think that's an important point in this story to to sort of stress is that some of the places that we're talking about here, Porirua, Stokes Valley, to a slightly lesser extent, Upper Hutt, these are areas with, with very high socioeconomic deprivation, aren't they? Yes, they are. And when I wrote this story, which was published at the end of November 2020, the data available then was really confronting. You know, DHB data showed 60% of Māori children in Poirua had decay in their teeth at the age of five. You know, like, that's really really, um, confronting and scary, I think. You know, it also showed that dental health was consistently among the top three reasons Poirua children under the age of five are admitted to hospital for conditions which could um, have been avoided earlier. And, and that's the thing here, right, is that I guess fluoride is a preventative measure against tooth decay. 
and children and adults and residents in Wellington deserve to have that, that opportunity. It does sound outrageous from the outside. Are, are there any mitigating factors here whatsoever? Like, what has Wellington Water said about all of this thus far? I mean, I don't, I don't think there are. There, there's nothing that I can see so far that sort of provides them with an excuse or, or a reason why they might have done this. And, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll find out what the thinking was behind this. I mean, that, that's the thing. I just, I can't understand why anybody would think that it was a good decision to not tell residents that the fluoride was being switched off or to manage fluoride in such a way for four years. Like, I really just don't think there is any excuse for this. And it also raises really serious questions about, I guess, um, you know, how this was allowed to happen? Why Why didn't anybody know? Why, why wasn't the board aware that this was happening? And I think the board is very aware that um, they've got sort of very serious questions themselves um, to face over this in terms of why they, they didn't know. It's deeply frustrating and what it speaks to is a culture within Wellington Water that doesn't see itself as an important public entity. So maybe it would be helpful at this point to sort of separate things out a little bit. We discovered last week that fluoride had not been going into the drinking water in several areas in the Wellington region, and that had been going on for close to a year. But it also emerges that the overarching problem of equipment that's used to fluoridate water has been going on for a lot longer than that. Is that pretty much the situation? Yes, that's right. And and I think that, you know, the fact that it's been going on for four years, you know, while the fluoridation wasn't switched off completely, that is to me just as serious as the fluoride being switched off. Why is that? Because it's, again, because it's such a long period of time. You know, it's four years that Wellington Water was muddling through this and thought it was okay well, you know, somebody in Wellington Water obviously thought it was okay to, uh, you know, not tell residents about it and 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 uh, and hide it. I guess. I mean, that that will be the question, right? Whether this was just inadequate, them being really incompetent about managing fluoride, or was it some kind of like deliberate cover up? Did people in Wellington Water deliberately mislead the board? Again, though, I can't sort of see why that, that might happen and I'd only be speculating. Listeners around the country who, who aren't from Wellington and don't care about Wellington and maybe only see it, you know, every now and then in a sort of news story might see, you know, there's a scandal about Wellington water and they might say, well, that sounds familiar. I wonder whether you can sort of take me through the past few years, five or six years in Wellington, and, and just talk a little bit about, because there is a bit of a sort of rogues gallery of mishaps around water involving this organisation, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I wonder whether or not I'd still have a job if Wellington Water um, and our failed pipes didn't happen. Like, I've written so many stories. Um, it's taken up so much of my time. There's so much to unpack in Wellington's water woes. And I think the best way to describe it is that Wellington really is the poster child for New Zealand's water infrastructure crisis. Like, we have really old pipes because, you know, Wellington as a city is so old. It's, you know, um, where, where people set up here. Mm. 
And so a lot of councils around the country sort of say, oh, well, you know, we're not Wellington, you know, we haven't um, had a, a massive pipe under the CBD burst and put billions of litres of wastewater into the harbour. Downtown Wellington workers and residents are fed up with the putrid stench of raw sewage pervading the city after a wastewater pipe burst. A temporary fix only narrowly avoided raw sewage pouring into the harbour, raising fears of a repeat of last summer when a burst pipe sent millions of litres of the stuff spewing into the waterfront. Or, you know, um, a, a pipe that carries sludge um, between a treatment plant and the landfill break, um, you know, we're fine. We're, we're not Wellington. But the thing is, is that their pipes aren't as old as, as Wellington's are. And it's sort of, a, they're sort of like ticking time bombs, you know, like it's only a matter of time before they become Wellington. And really... The water crisis that is Wellington started with two major pipes bursting, those two that I just mentioned, within a few months of each other. And I remember Mayor Andy Foster at the time, you know, sort of said, oh, it's just it's just bad luck. <laughs> and it sort of became increasingly clear that it wasn't bad luck. Um, this was an issue of underinvestment in pipes, um, you know, a- across several councils and, and many years What I would say is that this fluoride issue and all of Wellington's legacy of, you know, um, burst pipes are actually, they're separate for me. Those pipes are because of an underinvestment in them and they're all sort of, you know, linked together. You you can see the same issues playing out again and again and again. Mm. This issue with the fluoride, for me, is in a league of its own. And while it adds to Wellington's water woes, it's just so sort of strange and weird and, like, there's no explanation really Mm. for what's happened that I sort of have to put it in a different camp, I think, to the burst pipes. Wellington Water's masters here, you know, the board, um, the regional council, and, and I suppose as well, you know, the government, how have they all responded to this? So basically the board's response is to launch an independent inquiry into how this happened, and they did that pretty quickly. The government, I mean, the Associate Health Minister, Dr Ayesha Birrell, sort of expressed her concerns about this situation. She's not very happy. Um, Obviously, Grant Robertson, our, our Wellington Central MP, is, you know, he can't fathom how this has happened. Um, but, you know, Grant Robertson, being the, the very good politician that he is, did also mention... And I do have to say, Mike, as I travel around the country and I look at this and various boil water notices that I see in parts of the community, um, this is why we're doing the Three Waters reforms. If anybody in Wellington was sort of unsure about the reforms and was getting cold feet, you know, as the months have dragged on, I think having this situation probably would have... Yeah, it would have hit home for them that maybe the three waters reforms are a good idea for Wellington at least. Uh, I'm just building up in the picture you painted me. It's it's no wonder the government wants three waters. I mean, why on earth would we let clowns like you run anything? Oh, thanks for that, Mike. Well, come on. I mean, it's it's a, it's a shambles. Uh, look, we know that there are a number of reasons why we're in this situation with the infrastructure and the investment in infrastructure in the past, along with a number of other areas that have caused these problems and 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 water and uh yeah so um i yeah 
Is something happening to sort out the, the, I mean, the fundamental issue here of the equipment that is used to fluoridate the water? Is something happening to sort out that issue now? Yes, and this is, you know, regardless of, of what the inquiry says, getting fluoride turned back on um, in the city is absolutely going to be a priority. And the regional council, um, as I understand it, has already provided Wellington Water with the funding to do this. Um, Unfortunately, as we know, with all infrastructure projects, um, they don't happen overnight. Um, So they're going to have to, you know, replace this machinery. I think in in some cases, the actual buildings and the plants also aren't up to scratch. Um, So they might sort of have a a stopgap measure, I imagine, just to get it on as soon as possible and then turn their minds to a more long-term fix to make sure that they never find themselves in this situation ever again. And so presumably until everything's up and running, the water supply will be unfluoridated. Do we know how long the water supply will be unfluoridated for in the interim? About nine months. Um, that, and that's the current estimate. Um, I, I would expect potentially that that might change, you know, just, just you know, the way infrastructure projects go. Um, when somebody gives me a timeline on them, I'm always like, oh, you know, I'm always a bit sceptical of that, <laughs> whether it's going to, you know, be delivered by that time. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, essentially for the rest of the year. And, George, just finally on this, um, you know, People make jokes about Wellington. You go to Wellington and you see raw poo running down the street and all, and I get it, you know, black humour. I lived in Wellington for a while. I quite like making fun of it sometimes. But this is not a joke, is it? This is a really serious issue. Things are really bad, and it seems as though there is little to suggest people can have confidence that it will get sorted quickly. Yeah, and, and I mean, I joke I joke about it, Emil. Um, you know, sort of like come to Wellington and, you know, one of our tourist attractions is literal poo on Lampton Quay. It's so exciting. You can see it firsthand. Um, but it is really serious because it's basic infrastructure. It is 2022. Residents in the capital city of New Zealand deserve to have pipes that function as they should and do not burst randomly um, and, you know, discharge wastewater into the harbour. Residents deserve to have water coming out of their taps that has fluoride in it, um, which will, you know, reduce their chances of getting tooth decay. I wouldn't blame people in Wellington if they were a little bit sceptical as to whether the councils in Wellington water can get this sorted out on their own and might look more favourably towards, you know, the government's water reform agenda. Some people have issues with parts of that, but they might just kind of have to suck it up because the alternative is this. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Sarah Robson. And thanks to Georgina Campbell. Matewa. Te